Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Season 3 of Devotions in the Deep End. Our passage for this time together is found in Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Now, Jesus has just come from doing significant work in Tyre and Sidon, which is modern Lebanon. And instead of hopping over the border into Galilean home soil, he takes a wider eastern berth and goes deeper into foreign territory. Once again, the region known as the Decapolis, the region of 10 Gentile cities. We have looked briefly at events in this region before. We have heard about a couple of boat trips where this location was mentioned, and the feeding of the 4,000 will soon take place in this region as well. But one significant event that we haven't explored was a massive incident, what we might call an exorcism. Jesus found a man who was demon-possessed and running around naked in a cemetery and he set the man completely free from his affliction. He also restored him to full mental health and into community. Back then, the people of the region were pretty keen to see him leave their shores. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus instructed the man he saved to go and tell his countrymen. As we come into this passage, it appears that this man did a pretty reasonable job. Because when Jesus returns, they throw the welcome mat out for him, and there is a crowd gathered, ready and willing to be taught. And at the front of the crowd, and even with a bit of help from the crowd, is the man we read about in this passage. We read that he is deaf, and is also apparently not able to speak all that well either. The Greek word used here is mogulalos, which means to be tongue-tied. We are being told here that it was a serious speech limitation or impediment. He could grunt and groan, but since there had been no audible example to follow, he had no articulation. You might remember being in school and holding your tongue while trying to say sentences and often laughing at the outcome. Well, for this guy, it's not a laughing matter. It's a way of life. Consider this. His life would have been one of utter frustration and powerlessness. He'd be watching life happen all around him, not fully comprehending everything he sees, and not being able to speak into it as a result. When we think of it like that, there is an opportunity to see ourselves a little in this passage. Some of you listening have been there, or even perhaps you are there right now. We can find ourselves in situations where we simply don't know what to do. We can't understand the whole picture before us. 
and we don't know what to say or even what to pray. In our hearts and minds, it is as if we are completely tongue-tied. If that's the case, maybe the actions of Jesus here will mean something to you. So let's explore the way Jesus ministers in this man's situation. Verse 33 tells us that Jesus takes this guy aside. Some commentators suggest this was to avoid fanfare and not make this the Jesus Hour of Power show. Others simply point out the intimacy that Jesus shows in ministering to this man. Either way, it's clear that Jesus is giving this man his full attention by getting him away from the crowd. Then he gets to work, and I love this next bit. Jesus puts his fingers in the ears of this man and then spits on his fingers and puts them on the man's tongue. I'd love to explain these actions with a bit of symbolism and meaning, but the truth is we simply can't. No one has a clue why he did this. And despite a handful of creative theories, the best explanation we might find is that this was Jesus engaging in some form of nonverbal communication for the benefit of the man he was about to heal. What we can conclude is this. Jesus took individual interest in this man and offered intimate ministry to his needs. The word touch used here in the Greek translates as attach oneself to. This was an intentionally close quarters form of contact. Then in verse 34, Jesus looks to heaven and lets out a huge sigh. The Greek indicates this sort of expression is consistent with deep sadness or grief. One suggestion is that this was a moment of grief so deep that words could not begin to explain. In other words, Jesus was deeply, deeply moved by the condition this man was in. And with all that emotion going on, Jesus heals with a word, Ephatha, be open. There are listeners right now who need to see Jesus this way. Yes, he is the creator of the universe and he has a huge kingdom story to tell, but he also sees you and the part you will play in his story. He knows the things that are grieving you and leaving you tongue-tied. Despite his huge agenda, he is still able to take you aside, to attach himself to your situation, and to speak with compassion to the things you are facing. If you reach out to Jesus, you will encounter a God who is not aloof from the struggles that you face. Now, the story does, however, bring us to an even greater revelation, one that a whole group of people collectively caught onto. Verse 37 tells us the response of the crowd at what Jesus did. Despite his pleas to keep this on the quiet, the impact of what they had seen was uncontainable. It seems their whole emotional and intellectual makeup could not hold in their feelings about what they saw. The amazement was intense. Mark records their interesting response. Everything he does is wonderful. He even heals those who are deaf and mute. This response to the miracles of Jesus echoes the prophecy contained in Isaiah 35, which speaks of what will happen when the Messiah comes. Verses 5 and 6 say this, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue sing for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. While Mark writes about the physical condition of a man being restored, he also alludes to that which Jesus the Messiah does in the hearts of all who place their faith in him. 
this miracle became an object lesson of what the work of the Messiah was about. The spiritually blind will see the kingdom of God. The spiritually deaf will finally hear the voice of God. The spiritually mute will be able to shout the praises of God. Jew or foreigner, clean or unclean, male or female, none would be refused access to the restoring touch of the Lord. Every one of them able to experience a true ephatha moment with Jesus. So as we reflect on this passage, I see two ways we can go with this. First, somebody listening might be in a place of real need right now. It may be that you're a bit like this man in the story, not able to fully understand what's going on around you. It could be the uncertainty of your workplace, the craziness of this current season, an unexplained illness that evades diagnosis, something that needs God's certainty to shine through when you don't have it for yourself. It could be that you're equally tongue-tied right now, unable to articulate fully where you're at, even perhaps unable to find the words of a prayer to utter in the situation you're in. This man could only present himself and look Jesus' way, and we read that this was enough. If you will look to Jesus and present yourself just as you are to him, you will get his attention, and you will be a recipient of his ministry. You might not be able to ask, but Jesus already has an answer for you. He has a compassionate sigh and a word of freedom for you. If you need an ephatha moment to get you through where you're at, Jesus is where you need to be looking. But I also see a second way to reflect on this. It's completely true that Jesus offered individual ministry in this case and many others. But this ministry also told a greater story as evidenced in the whole community retelling it in response to what they saw. One very basic description about what the Bible is, is this. It is God's story being told. God tells his story through the scriptures. And he continues to tell his story through what he continues to do in us even today. If you are the recipient of such ministry, then it needs to be told for the benefit of others. Part of God's story is that he met you where you were at. But God's story is not all about you. It's all about God. So whatever Jesus opens, whatever clarity you receive, whatever voice he gives back, whatever need he meets, be sure to make it known to others where it's appropriate to do so. And in doing this, entire communities get to marvel at what the Lord has done. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our Devotions in the Deep End Facebook page, and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.